You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Got a couple of things I want to share with you tonight. Go with me to James chapter 4, verse 8. We're, you know, we're, hopefully you began your fast today. Um, if you didn't, you can, you can start any time. And, uh, you know, I want to say something to people because, you know, a lot of times people try to take on things and you don't always make it through or you don't, you know, you, know, you, you falter, especially if you're fasting food. You know, it takes about three or four days for those hunger pains to go completely away. And, you know, I know some people, I, I remember a youth pastor one time went and confessed to, his, to the pastor and he said, man, man, I, I blew it. And they were doing a 21-day fast and it was about day seven. Pastor said, what did you do? He said, oh, man, I drove by McDonald's, and I just went and got a Big Mac and devoured it. <laughs> you know? And he was all down and out, like, man, I'm sorry, and I'm no good. I, and he's like, hold on a second. Listen, you just get back up on your feet. And so this is the beginning. The, the thing that God honors is, is the commitment to finish, the commitment to not give up. He says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again and again and again. So don't finish what you started. Amen? And so, but uh, I just want to encourage you a little bit. In James 4, verse 8, it says, move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. He will even come closer to you. Then he says, but make sure you cleanse your life, you sinners, and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. He gives us some, he gives us some things below that and above that in that scripture of things we need to do in order to draw closer and closer to him. You know, fasting, I, I said it, uh, I've said it for years and years that we've done this. You have to have a spirit of faith to fast. What's the spirit of faith you need to have? You first must believe that God exists to fast, otherwise why do it, right? <clears throat> and secondly, you must believe he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when we fast and pray, we're, we're saying, hey, I'm gonna, deal, I'm gonna go to another level of seeking you, God. Seeking answers, seeking you. <clears throat> so we have to believe that he's a rewarder. So when it talks about stop doubting and then start, allow him to cleanse your life and help you clean up your life. Because a lot of times when you begin to fast and pray or when you begin to draw closer to God, he'll start dealing with you about some stuff you need to clean up. That's why a lot of people like to keep him at a distance. Show me someone that keeps God at a distance and I'll show you someone that has some things in their life that they don't want God to talk to them about. You know, that's why a lot of people quit coming to church. They, get, they don't want God to deal with them. Because, you, and they say, well, I read my Bible, but a lot of times when people are not attending church or they're not being exposed regularly to sermons and, and people that aren't um, catering to what they want, you know, because a lot of times when people are studying on their own, they study what they want. You don't get a choice what you hear when you come to church. No one but the Holy Spirit, I believe, is telling me what to preach. And that's why people will start, I can always tell when someone's backsliding, they'll stop coming to church, they don't want God to deal with them. You know, because they have a wrong perspective of it. Either they love their sin more than they love God. The Bible talks about they love darkness more than they love light. Or, or it's, it's, you know, one of those things that, 
golly, it's like, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel condemned. And, and the bad thing about it is God never condemns. And they almost think that God thinks worse of them and he, he's just trying to help you. He loves us and he, when he speaks to us and convicts us of sin, he's just trying to help us. So he says, if you're, as you're drawing closer to me, I want to cl- I'm going to clean your life up a little bit more. He said, so come to me in faith. This is what the scripture says. Come to me in faith. As you draw near to me, come to me in faith, and I'm going to help you clean your life up more, purify your life, and make it even better and better and better and better. Why? Well, if they'll put 1 Kings 19 up on the, on the screen, I'm going to show you some things. Then he said, this is Elijah, this is the great prophet Elijah, after he'd called down fire from heaven and these massive displays of God's power taking place, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, now he's hiding in a cave, and uh, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. So man, this is a powerful wind, it's breaking rocks. Then it says this, But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Next verse. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. Listen, what he's saying is, is not that God didn't cause the wind, the earthquake, or the fire. It says God doesn't live in those things. Said he wasn't in them. Didn't say he didn't do them. Where is he at? He's in that still small voice. A lot of times, people see these, they want to see massive displays of God's power, and they think they can get to know God by seeing those things. Can I say something to you? The children of Israel saw massive displays of God's power and still didn't know him. The Jewish people in Jerusalem and all around that area saw massive displays of God's power through his son, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, and still did not know him. You can know about him in those displays, but you will not know him. That's what he's saying to Elijah. Elijah, you can see me in these things. I do these big things, but I'm not in them. That's not how you get to know me. You get to know me through this still, small voice. So what does that mean? In Hebrew, the still, small voice means this, a low whisper, a soft whisper, sound of a gentle blowing. Listen, if I begin to whisper, there's only one way that you can hear what I'm saying. If I cover up this I'm talking. I'm whispering. I'm whispering to you right now. I'm talking to you. Thank you. You have to get close to me to hear me whisper. That's what he's talking about. He said, I'm in the still small voice. That's where I am at. You want to get to know me? You want to see me? What I do and the big things I do? 
I'm in all this stuff, I, or I do all these things. I've created the sun and the moon and the earth and the universe. You can see me. God says everyone sees that he is God through what he has made, but they don't know him as God because the only way you can come to know him is the voice. And the only way you can hear his voice is to draw near to him. You gotta press in. And that's what fasting and prayer and spending this time in prayer is all about, is getting closer so we can hear him talk to us. So we can hear him speak to us. We can come to know him, not just about him. Why is that so important? Because Jesus said on the last days, when people said, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name and that in your name, all, all these big demonstrations, these things, I, I said you did them. And I, I said you were in all these big demonstrations that, that happened. And he said, I never knew you. Why? Because he's not in the demonstrations. That's not, you can know about him, but you can't know him. Until you press in close enough that you can hear the whisper. You can hear his voice. God speaking to us does not always need to be accomplished by a dramatic revelation. Signs speak about God, but what he wants to speak, uh, speak to us needs to be direct from his voice to our heart and our minds. Where do you get that from? Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 13, you're awful quiet. Well, pastor, you hit us with a heavy revy right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, and we articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the Spirit and not with words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Again, he's saying, we articulate these realities with words imparted to us. Otherwise, it's God's voice speaking words, not just the demonstration of his power. That's not how you get to know him. You know about him, but you only get to know him by hearing him speak to you. They say it over and over and over again. What does it say about the word? The word is sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit. Bone and marrow. I mean, it, it, it's saying the word of God goes deep in us and speaks to the deepest parts of us. And God wants us to get that close to him. You know, it's so vital that every man in this room, and I'm just speaking to the men right now, every man in this room has a vision. And you can only get a vision from God for your life. You can get a vision from the world, but... Every man in this room that's leading a household or wants to lead a household has to have a vision. You don't have a vision, then a woman doesn't know which direction you're going. So you know what she'll do? She'll go get a vision. And that's what's wrong with a lot of households. Not enough men with a vision. You can't get a vision unless you draw close to God and hear his voice. Let me say it again. You can't get the vision unless you get close, close, close to God and you hear his voice speak of the vision. 
You got it. You got to get close to him to get the vision. Men, you got to draw close. He wants to speak to you a vision for your family, for your marriage, for your family, for your kids. For your... He said, I want to bless your children's children. He's got a three-generation vision for you, waiting for you to come close enough that you can hear his voice. Waiting. He's, he's waiting to tell you. But what does he say? What did he say in James 4, 8? You got to draw closer and closer to me, then he'll draw close to you. The ball's in our court. Why is the ball in our court? Because he already established the covenant. He already sent his son and died for us. He's, he's already said, I love you, and I want to share these things with you. I want to tell you these things. He's already said it. He's saying, I made a way for you to come in here. Now it's your move. I established the covenant. Now you got to do your part in the covenant. He did his part and established the covenant by the holy blood of his son Jesus. Now he's saying, you got to come and do your part in the covenant. And when you, I allowed you to come in and draw close to me, to the throne of grace. I've allowed you access into my throne to me. Now you gotta come on in here. He opened the door, now you gotta walk through it. He won't make you get closer to him. He didn't just open the door, he, he took it off the hinges. There is, I mean, he's like, whoosh. He opened it up and said, man, it's wide open to you. Come on, come bold. He said, come boldly. He said, come in here boldly, like the children of the Most High God should, like the sons and daughters should come into the Father's house. Come in here boldly. Walk in here boldly. Because I granted you access. I built a bridge to you. Now cross the bridge and press in to hear my voice. I like what Zechariah says. It says this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. See, not by, not by might nor by power. Those things are demonstrations of his might and power, but to really know him, to really pull down strongholds, to really make a difference in your life, to get a vision for your family, to get a vision for your life, you've got to come to him through the spirit. He is a spirit. You've got to come to him, and you've got to press in close to him, spirit to spirit, the deepest part of you to the deepest part of God, and you've got to press in to hear him. this good plan I have for you. God, if he's not on the, the end of that line, shut that thing up. John 14. John 14. John 14. Don't be too embarrassed. That's happened to my wife and my mama and John 14, verse 26 says, But when the Father sends the, Holy, sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. Man, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to begin to speak. He's going to live inside of you and he's going to begin to speak. Where's he going to speak? He's going to speak to your mind. He's going to speak to your thought life. 
That's how he's going to speak to you. Some people have said, man, I, you talk about hearing his voice, but I've never heard his voice. That's because you haven't drawn close enough. And you know what's crazy is a lot of people, a lot of times you have, but you don't recognize it. You don't recognize his voice. Because I'll talk to people and say, well, have you ever, has this ever happened to you? Yeah, yeah, that's happened. That was him. Oh, I didn't realize that was him. Yeah, because you don't, you, you don't know him well enough to know his voice. You got to get closer to him. Then you'll, you'll not only recognize when he is talking to you, but you'll know his voice so well, you can distinguish it. Just like Jesus said, you will only follow the voice of the shepherd. My children, my sheep, know the voice of the shepherd, and that's who they'll follow. They won't follow a stranger. So you'll not only start to recognize that he's speaking and dealing with you, but you'll get to know him so well that, man, you, it's, like, it's like your mama calling. You know it's, immediately it's her. It's like someone you talk to all the time. You know you, as soon as they say hello, you know. Matter of fact, you, you know it's them by the time of day. You know, I can tell sometimes who it is in my family by what I'm doing. Because if I'm really busy, I know exactly who's going to call me. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> it's like, oh God, I love this person, but... Every time I'm doing this, they call me. No, everybody, no one's even looking at each other. They're just, <laughs> no one wants to. <laughs> Go with me to, to, to John 16, 13. He says this, but when the truth-giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you, every truth within you. He won't speak on his own. How is he going to reveal the truth that he puts within you? He's going to speak. Where's he going to speak at? Within you. Spirit speaks to spirit. When, the, when you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of your spirit. Your spirit and him become one. They connect to each other. And he speaks to your spirit and your spirit speaks to you. But it's the Holy Spirit. Just like it was the Holy Spirit that told these guys what to write down for the Bible, it's the same Holy Spirit that tells you what to write down and what you to do and what, what he wants you to think and say and act like in these situations or circumstances or what he wants you to accomplish. He says this, he won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Listen, so many people I've talked about live in the past so they never get to live in the present. They're never present anywhere. They're so caught up in the past. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment, more about that. They're so caught up in the past, they never even get to enjoy the present. They're reliving 2013 for the last nine years, almost 10 years now. So they're living back in 2013, or some people I know are living back in 1985. Seriously. They're, they're so, so they never, ever experience what God wants to do presently in 2023. And when you live so far in the past, you can't live in the present, and then he can't reveal to you what's coming in the future. He just said the Holy Spirit wants to prophetically tell you what is coming. He's not just talking about the end times. He's talking about what's coming in your life, what you need to be prepared for, what you need to get ready for. 
And, and God, so he's saying, I want to not only tell you, deliver you from your past and, and bring you to the present, but I also want to reveal the future to you. And I know so many people that are frustrated by, how come God won't tell me? And how come God won't do this? And how come God won't do that? He's telling you, you got to draw close to him. He built the bridge. He opened the door. He said, now it's your turn. I established the covenant with you. Now you got to do your part of the covenant. you got to come closer and closer and closer to me so you can hear my voice. So I can speak to you and I can tell you these things. But what most people want to see is this huge demonstration of his power. Elijah had already seen that. It wasn't enough for him. And God's like, I get it, Elijah. That isn't enough for you. It's not enough for any human being. you got to learn to be still and hear my voice. And, and guys, you can't talk when God's talking. If someone's whispering to you and you're talking, you can't hear what they're saying. Or if people are clamoring around you, there's a bunch of uh, noise and distractions around you. It's really hard to hear what someone's saying that's whispering, that you're having a really, you're like, golly, shut that TV off. Shut, the, shut social media off. I can't hear. I need to get in a place by myself. I need to go in the bathroom and lock the door so I can pray and hear from God. I need to shut off everything and the world around me and go just get in my prayer closet. I need to go get in the shadow of the Almighty and hear him speak to me. And when you get in the habit of that, you're not always reacting to everything. Most people, life is happening and they're just reacting. God doesn't want that, his children to live like that. He wants us to, to see what's coming and be prepared for it. So we're not just reacting to, to life happening to us. We're making life happen. Because we have a God who helps us to do that. He wants, he wants to speak to us and through us and not just for ourselves. But the closer you get to him, the more you deny your flesh, the more you seek God and you get to hear his voice. It's not just about you. He'll minister to you. He'll speak to you. But it will overflow into other people's lives. That's always his plan. That's always what he wants to do. Is he wants to speak to you and through you to bless and help others. He wants to be able to trust you that, that he can minister to, uh, and tell you to say something to somebody that you'll actually do it and that you know his voice. That you know his voice so well that you're like, I know that you, God. I know that you. I don't want to say it. I don't want to do this right now, but I know that you. I can't help it. I'm going to do it. Does anybody have that debate in their head? Like, I know God wants me to say this or do this, but I don't want to do it. I'm busy or I just don't want to do it. It's pulling me out of my comfort zone, but you know it's his voice, so you, it's like you got to do it. He's not like he's making you, but it's like, man, if I want to honor God and be obedient to my father, man, I'm going to have to do this now. That's knowing his voice. And when you know it, then you just you got to do it. And it also gives you a confidence that when you speak, you know it's from the Father. Amen? 
And so he wants to speak to us and through us as we come closer and closer and closer to him. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is going to tie right in to what I've been teaching on Wednesday nights. We talked last week, for those of you who weren't here, about this chapter. This chapter is about the end times. And God is talking to us about how to be aware and how to stay alert and how to know what's coming in the future. And how to not just know what's coming, but be prepared to handle it. Not just handle it, not just survive. We're not in survival mode, but how to thrive through it. To how to overcome any and all obstacles. And actually, actually walk in his blessings during this time so that people can see the light in your life of him. And so they can, you can help them get through it. So that's what this whole, this whole chapter is about, the end times and walking in the light of God and not in the darkness of the world. The, the world never knows what's happening. They don't know what happened, what's happening to them right then or what is coming. They don't know when, they're in total darkness. It's like oblivious. They don't know they're walking towards the abyss because they're just walking in darkness. But we're not to walk like that. And he said, he tells us how you stay prepared and be prepared. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, let joy be your continual feast. Now, if I invited you to my house or invited you to the church, and I said, or maybe you invited me to your house, and you said, man, we're going to feast. We're going to feast. Pastor Troy, you bring that whole tribe of yours and we're going to feast. And I'm like, I'm going to be like, okay, man, there's going to be a lot of food at this place. And then I walk in and you got some carrots and ranch dressing. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, their definition of feast and my definition of feast is two different things. It's in the feast. If I invited you to a feast, you're thinking like, the old night days with big old chicken legs and, you know, I mean, turkey legs or whatever and just, uh, you know, a feast of food. You know, you're, you're, I'm expecting like a smorgasbord, like, you know, this is like golden corral feasting. Like I, I got multiple tables, I got desserts here and food main here and, you know, this over here. And, I mean, I'm thinking feast. And so is God. He didn't say nibble on joy. Let me say it again. He didn't say nibble on joy. Some people think it's their sacred duty, their religious sacred duty to always look down and out and sad. It's not your sacred duty to be sad, to be down and out. He didn't say groan and again I say groan. He said rejoice and again I say rejoice. He said let joy be your continual feast. Can I tell you something? That's not a feeling. That's a choice. That's a decision of your will because you can always find something that's going on in your life that you don't feel like it. So you have to make a choice to feast on joy. You have to make a decision. I'm going to feast on joy. You know, I realize that the easier our life gets, the less resilient people are. Uh, I said to my daughter the other day, I said, baby, one of your greatest attributes is how resilient you are. She said, what's that mean? I said, what any good father would say, look it up. 
because I'm not going to look it up for you. You want to know what compliment I just gave you? Look it up. So she did, and she was over there reading on her phone. We're driving down the road, and she went, oh, that's really good. I said, it is good. You know, because Jalen could be in, in trouble one minute and, or hurting one minute, and the next minute she's joyful as can be. And she don't just stay joyful for a minute. She's joyful the rest of the day. I said, you have an ability to bounce back no matter what's happening in your life. You have this bounce back ability, doesn't she? She can just bounce back. She just, okay. She just moves on with a, with a joy in her. And she's happy. And it blesses me that she's so resilient. But I see adults that aren't that resilient. And I'll tell you why. Because to be resilient is a decision. You've got to choose to overcome. You've got to choose joy. You've got to choose thankfulness. You've got to choose these things. You've got to choose rejoicing. You've got to choose to feast. Pastor Troy, that's really unfair to talk about food and feasting when we're all fasting. I just thought about it. It just hit me like, oh, that sounded really good. Uh, but we're talking about feasting on the, what, what, what it, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible says if you have the Holy Spirit in you, one of the fruits of it that people can eat off the tree of your life is joy. And so God wants us to become a lot more resilient. He's saying these things are going to come to pass. And he even said, what did Jesus say? There's going to be trouble and trials in this life. But what is, what's the next thing he says? But be of good cheer. Feast on joy. Why? Because he's overcome the world. He's on our side. As long as we got him, we're going, everything's going to be all right. Well, Pastor Troy, what if you die? Why go to heaven? I'm feasting on joy. Seriously. Death is not the end of life. It's the real beginning. And so I'm not going to fall apart over that either. Someone say Amen. That's the hope we have. That's the joy we carry. That's the fruit of the Spirit. People should be coming around you and seeing the fruit of joy on your life that they can pick it off of you and, and they can, it makes them joyful. Man, I see so many people walking around so down and depressed, so sad. Listen, I don't care what's going on in your life. Julie and I got stuff. We got stuff. Everybody has stuff. Pastor Tony Evans, one of the men I really respect, he had his wife die. He had his, I think, brother die or brother-in-law die that he was like a brother to. I mean, he had like four or five people die in like six-month period of time a couple years ago. Then both his daughters were diagnosed with cancer, I think all in about a six, seven-month period of time. He hadn't lost his joy. He's still feasting on the joy of the Lord. I mean, we, I mean, guys, you just can't stay sad all the time and be in the flow of the Holy Spirit. And those of you that are, man, you're way up here one day and you're in the dumps the next day, that's not the fruit of the Spirit either. That's not how God wants us to live like, like a yo-yo. You know, and, and, and the people who live like that are immature. You know, what is immaturity? It's that 
They always base their joy and their happiness and their praise of God, their thankfulness toward God based on their circumstances. Feasting on the joy of the Lord is a decision to say, yes, this is sad. Yes, I might even be sad, but I'm not going to let sad control me today. I'm not going to let depression control me today. I'm not going to let this control me today. I'm going to feast on joy today. I choose it. It's a decision. It's just not going to control me. It's not a denial that things hurt or things are bad or things are not perfect. It's not denying those things exist. It's saying in the midst of that, in the middle of that, I choose joy. Because being sad down and out, griping, complaining, moaning, and groaning is not going to help you at all. But when you, when you start to choose joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my You'll get stronger. That other stuff leads to weaker. Joy, the joy of the Lord, causes you to go upward instead of inward or outward. What do I mean by that? Most people that are down and out all the time always are looking inward uh, at what they don't have. I'm not this, they're not that, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have that wife, I don't have that husband, I don't have that job, I don't have their car, I don't have that house, I don't have that life, I don't have this and I don't have that. Or outward, if only Jared, if he would just see fit to give me $10,000, my life would be so. It's either inward or something else, something out here's got to happen for me to have joy, or something, you know, something in here's got to happen for me to have joy. Instead of, hey, I'm going to look upward because my joy comes from above, not from in here or out here. It's not something that I'm lacking or it's up here. Doggone it, Reed. <laughs> well, I've got three other sermons in these notes. We're going to be going a while on Wednesday night. Where do we land? I'll give you a couple things. Repeat this one. Number one, rejoicing and feasting on joy is an action, not a feeling. Number two, it does not mean that we deny our feelings of sadness. We just do not let them take control. Said that one. Number three, we have to act on God's word. This is how you learn to do this, these things. You have to act on God's word. So do what God says to do. What do, I, what do, what do we always do? When we don't know what to do, we do the what? Next, come on, let's say it, church. Next right thing that God says to do. Just do the next right thing. I said, just do the next right thing, whatever it is. If go, getting home and, you know, if the next right thing is get the kids in bed or whatever and just get, hit the, you know, go to bed and get a good night's sleep, that's the next right thing. Get up in the morning, what's the next right thing? Get ready, go to work. That's the next right thing. Just keep acting on the word. Number four, view trials through God's lens. 
What is God's lens? Victory. View trials through God's lens. God sees victory. Let me say it again. God sees victory. He's the God of victory. He's victory, victory, victory. He's never lost. He always wins. Even when the devil thinks he's winning, he's losing. He's a God of victory. He died on the cross and people saw defeat. Jesus saw victory. He like, brother, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross. Why? Because there was a joy in this. There's going to be a victory in this cross. There's a victory in that cross. Wrap him up. Throw him in a tomb, roll the rock over the grave. He's dead for three days. But he didn't see a dead man. He saw victory. He saw a risen man. You got to see it through his lens. You got to keep seeing it through his lens. There's a victory coming. There's a victory coming. There's a victory coming. Because if he be for me, who could be against me? If he gave me his son, his only begotten son, why would he not give me all things that pertain to life and godliness? I mean, you just got to see it through his lens. His lens is overcome. Victory, victory, victory. Kill him and he wins. Bury him and he wins. He's a God of victory. You got to see it through his lens. We'll just leave it there. That's a good place to stop. So I didn't get off page one. Got six pages of notes in there. I told Julie, I told Pastor Sean, it's dangerous for me to be fasting and praying because I'm spending all that time I would be eating <laughs> fasting and praying. I'm getting all this revelation and all this stuff from God. And uh, man, I'm, I've got notebook already, almost half a notebook full of stuff I want to teach you. Oh, it's so good. God's so good. Listen, every eye closed here and on online. Man, if you're not right with God, you came to the right place. And the right place is not always just in a church, but this is the right place for someone to pray with you and for you. But God's everywhere. Why is he everywhere? I'll tell you why he's everywhere. Because he's waiting on you. Jesus said, I came as a servant. He's waiting on you. Like a waiter at a restaurant. He's waiting on you. And a good waiter always watches. A good waiter always, a good servant, a good waiter is always watching, listening. And our God, though he's God, he's a servant. And he's always watching and listening. He's omnipresent and omnipotent. That means he's present and he knows everything all at once. <laughs> Excuse me, because he's listening. He's listening. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on his sons and his daughters to draw closer so he can whisper vision and purpose, answers, direction, revelation of who he is and his word. And he's waiting on some of you in this room because he died to save you. 
He died to rescue you. He wants to do it right now. He wants to do it right now. So if that's you, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know him. You know about him. You've seen what he's done, what he's created, what he can do, but you don't know him. The first step is accepting what he's already done for you, that he died for your sins, that he did. He did rise from the dead and he's alive. And he did that to rescue us from our sin and the penalty of sin, eternal death. He wants to save us from that. He wants to save us from a life being slaves and dominated by sin so that we can actually be a blessing and not a curse to ourselves and others. We can walk in his blessings and be a blessing. He told Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. That word still stands for us. in this life and then he wants us to spend an eternity together and with him in the next that's why he came but he won't make you do anything Satan wants to control you God wants a relationship with you and that relationship begins by believing and accepting that he is the Lord God Almighty and giving him your life the way he gave his life for you. So if that's you and you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Or maybe you've prayed and you're like the prodigal son or daughter. And what does that mean? It means you ran away. You ran away from home. You ran away from him. But I'm going to tell you something. He's not running away from you. He's waiting on you to come home. So whether it's your first time or your next time, we need to pray right now. Pray right now. If online you're praying tonight, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Right now, send it. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, it's me, it's me, it's me. I want to get right with God. It's me. And then just put your hand down. And we're all going to pray together. So one Two, three, raise your hand up and say, I'm going to get right with God. Thank you. Thank you. All over the, golly, all over this room. Thank you. God bless you. Let's all pray with them and let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe that you are God and God alone. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. You raised him from the dead. And he's alive. I believe it. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ, of my life. My life is no longer my own. I give it to you. And I receive your Holy Spirit to teach me, guide me, 
direct me on how to live this life in life to the full in this life until I see you in heaven forever. Thank you, Lord, for saving my life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Come on, church. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.